0: WLRN edition 88. Broadcasting in 3, 2, 1. I was born woman. Off my knees I will stand. For my liberation, sisters rise again. I was born woman. Off my knees. Then for my liberation rise and rise again
1: greetings and welcome to the 88th edition podcast of women's liberation radio news for this Thursday August 3rd 2023 I'm Emily WLRN collective member since 2022 Look for me, Thistle and Jenna, this month at the Michigan Framily Reunion, where we will capture the sounds of that women-only festival for September's podcast. I'm excited to be part of this dynamic team of women to bring you, our dear listeners, women's news, information, announcements, music, and culture from around the world. So thanks for tuning in. Today's show focuses on life beyond trans, a subject I relate to as a desisted woman. I will be joining a panel of d sister women at the WDIUSA National Convention in San Francisco next month to speak about my experiences with trans identification. Elizabeth Chesick, our guest on today's show, will also be on the panel. In addition, I'll cover the convention in September as a reporter for WLRN. Today we'll hear an excerpt from an interview Thistle and I did with Elizabeth on July 22nd over WLRN's live streaming channels. To hear the interview in its entirety, go to WLRN's YouTube channel and click on the Live tab. Elizabeth is a D sister who joined the feminist movement in 2019 after identifying as transgender for seven years. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Mary O'Neill with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Take it away, Mary!
2: At the University of Wyoming, sorority sisters and Kappa Kappa Gamma were instructed to change the definition of woman to accommodate a trans-identified man called Artemis Langford. The sorority sisters had filed a lawsuit in March, alleging that Kappa Kappa Gamma had breached its housing contract by allowing a trans-identified man admission. Hannah, one of the sorority sisters involved in the lawsuit, told podcast host Megan Kelly, It is really uncomfortable. Some of the girls have been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed. Some girls live in constant fear in our home. In the suit, the sisters describe Langford as watching them undress, staring at them without talking, and having a visible erection among other inappropriate behaviours and comments. In Paris at the Para-Athletics World Championship, Valentina Petrillo, a 49-year-old trans-identified man took home the bronze medal in the women's 200-metre final after placing second in the semifinals. He was also the only participant to run the race without an athletic guide, a runner who assists visually impaired athletes during their races. In contrast, Miss Italy will not allow trans-identified men in its competition, insisting that contestants must be female from birth. This comes just weeks after the Miss Netherlands competition in which a trans-identified man took home the crown. As a result, it is reported that over 100 trans-identified women have entered the competition in protest. Greta Gerwig has broken the domestic box office record for female director with her summer blockbuster, Barbie. Debuting at $155 million in North America, the film has received criticism from men around the world for promoting a feminist agenda, though many feminists were critical of its focus on individual corporate empowerment. Meanwhile, Christopher Nolan's film Oppenheimer, which debuted on the same day, has been criticized by many feminists for its lack of female representation and shallow depiction of the women that are included. Several women who were involved in the Manhattan Project, such as Lily Hornig, were not represented in the film. New Zealand's Independent Police Conduct Authority will review police action, or more accurately, inaction, during the Let Women Speak event in Auckland that took place in March 2023. The authority received over 160 complaints, which included concerns about the police's inability to protect Kelly J. Keen Mitchell the host and organizer of the event. A 71-year-old woman also was assaulted by a 20-year-old man, which the police did not prevent. In the United Kingdom, the Metropolitan Police has banned officers from using people in prostitution, most of whom are women. Officers must now declare all romantic relationships. The Met has been the source of a series of scandals over the last year involving abuse of and violence against women. Amelia DeCotton, a 24-year-old trans-identified man who ended a policy of the Democratic Party that one man and one woman must be nominated to represent New York Districts from the Democratic State Committee, has announced that he is running for a state seat in Queens. The incumbent, Juan Ardila has been accused of sexual misconduct by two women. The policy that Ducati fought to have amended had been proposed a century ago by Eleanor Roosevelt and the League of Women Voters, who sought to ensure that women were represented in the Democratic Party. Instead of requiring one male and one female to represent each district, the policy now states that the party must be represented by officials of different genders. He was elected to represent District 37A under the female category before the policy officially changed. As a result, District 37A is represented by two white men despite, as a petition created by an anonymous woman said, the district as a whole is a majority-minority district, largely consisting of Hispanics and does in fact also contain women who have now been deprived of a representative. The petition was removed from CARE 2 following complaints. 13 women have joined in a lawsuit against the state of Texas after being denied proper abortion care during their pregnancies. Two OBGYNs joined the lawsuit, Swarovski v. Texas, which was filed in March by the Center for Reproductive Rights. The plaintiffs seek to ensure that physicians are able to provide abortion care during emergency complications and have requested a temporary injunction. During the hearing, several women took the stand and shared testimony of watching non-viable newborns suffer and ultimately die, or suffered complications such as sepsis and organ failure themselves, as doctors continue to fail to treat women for fear of violating the state's strict abortion laws. The Brazilian Public Security Forum published a study that shows that reported rapes increased by 8.2% in Brazil in 2022, while reported rapes of minors increased by 15.3%. Of the victims, 88.7% were female and over 60% were children under the age of 13. Experts list effects of the COVID-19 lockdown and the tenure of President Bolsonaro, who regularly employed misogynistic language and set back women's rights.
3: Irish singer-songwriter Sinead O'Connor died Wednesday, July 26th. She was only 56 years old, far too young, but the man-made world is designed to martyr women like her, the serious, the non-compliant, the uncompromising, and we miss her. A household name as much for her aching revamp of the Prince song, Nothing Compares to You, as for tearing up a photograph of Pope John Paul II on live television, O'Connor was a protest singer who wound up a pop star, then did the unthinkable. She sacrificed her career to condemn male power. After shredding the Pope on Saturday Night Live as a statement against child sexual abuse by the Roman Catholic Church, O'Connor never had another hit record in the United States. She was maligned and ridiculed, punished for her disobedience, but she remained a dissident unwaveringly using her music and her fame as a public figure to spotlight patriarchy's ills, child abuse, war, consumerism and poverty, racism and sexism. O'Connor was outspoken from the start about woman-hating in the music industry, and in 2013 she penned a letter to Miley Cyrus, urging the singer not to let herself be pimped by the rich men in yachts who run the show. O'Connor wrote, Nothing but harm will come in the long run from allowing yourself to be exploited, and it is absolutely not in any way an empowerment of yourself or any other young women. Real empowerment of yourself as a woman would be to in future refuse to exploit your body or your sexuality in order for men to make money from you. O'Connor released 10 studio albums, she was the mother of four children, she was a flag-bearer for nonconformist females in the music industry and beyond, and she was no one if not herself, purely. With her otherworldly voice, sublime, whether it trembled or she was growling in her conscience, too rare and when I think of this woman in my mind, she is glowing, her skin lit from inside by the brilliance of her grace, so gentle, so fierce. May you rest
2: in peace and power, Sister Sinead. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. I'm Mary O'Neill. Share your news stories, announcements, and tips with us by emailing info at wlrnmedia.com and let us know what's going on. This is Joe Brew, and I love listening to WLRN.
0: I was mean, but I really don't think so You asked if I'm scared and I said so What I said was wrong Ever it may rain I will live by my own policies I will sleep with a clear conscience I will sleep in peace Maybe it sounds mean But I really don't think so You ask for the truth told you, through their own words, they will be exposed. They got a solid case of the the emperor's new clothes. The emperor's new clothes. The emperor's new clothes. The emperor's new clothes.
2: That was Sinead O'Connor with her song, Emperor's New Clothes. Next up, we'll hear
3: excerpts of an interview Emily and Thistle did with Elizabeth Chesick.
2: Elizabeth identified as trans from 2012 to 2019 before discovering her life beyond trans and in the lesbian feminist community. Elizabeth spoke with Emily and
4: Thistle last month in a live interview aired on WLRN's YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook pages. You can find the full unedited interview on WLRN's YouTube channel under the live tab. Can you just talk about when you first discovered trans and what it meant to you when you discovered it?
5: I think it was, it was not very long um, before I started questioning my own gender identity, which tracks for a lot of people like we hear of it and then we realize oh it's been me all along which now i think seems really sketchy like oh you never worried about this the rest of your life but then you find out about it and like two months later you think it's you Mm -hmm. Oh, i would have to say that was no earlier than 2011 but i think it was 2012. i was on this writing website um, National Novel Writing Month, actually, the the young people's version. And we had this giant forum, and there were just all these girls who identified as trans.
4: So you were okay. talking about in 2012 that um, you went, where was it that you went and you were with other girls that identified as trans? Yeah, um, it was the National Novel Writing Month project. Novel writing, so what does novel writing have to do with being
5: trans there was just this giant forum and we could all post about you know our writing projects or just life and there were a bunch of girls who are identifying as trans boys or Mm non-binary and i just remember just sitting there it would have been november 2012 just sitting there in front of my laptop at home thinking is the reason that i'm attracted to girls does that mean i was born in the wrong body and it just kind of snowballed from there
4: Mm-hmm. Had you been exposed to the idea prior to that experience? Like had I Am Jazz hadn't come out at that early, that's 2012. I don't think so, no. Yeah. Um, so that was the very first time you became aware of this thing called trans. Mm-hmm. And it made you wonder about yourself because you, because these other girls were doing it and to girls, I mean, humans are very social. We learn from each other. Our peers are our role models, and we influence each other a lot. And so if your peers are doing this, and identifying as trans, there's going to be, you know, some Peer pressure, maybe I don't know if that's the like. What, sorry, I do not mean. To go go sure. ahead. Go but ahead. I
1: was saying we were just listening to your speech at Sisters for Sisters, and what you talked about in that, which I really like, resonated with me in my experience, is like the how how once this ideology gets in, it's not cool, it's not okay to be cis or straight because mm-hmm. that means you're an oppressor, and it's like not cool you are a bad person all of a sudden in that group like that's what happened in the theater company that I was working in when the trans got slipped in there that all of a sudden yeah it was like oh well there's the cis people and they are need to sit in the corner and be quiet and then there's the trans people and they should always be front and center Mm -hmm. and so like yeah like of course if you're in an environment where that's what everybody else is saying it's like oh well
4: I'm not cis Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So trans is painted as the victim underdog of cis oppression. (laughs) And so if you don't identify as trans or non-binary or some kind of gender identity, then you are the oppressor. Mm -hmm. It's It's actually
5: something I'm wanting to talk about um, at two upcoming conferences. I'm speaking at this whole idea that like unfortunately victimhood is currency and people Mm -hmm. don't want to be the oppressor and they get attention paid to them if they identify as trans. And I feel like we talk a lot about, you know, oh they're autistic or they're traumatized or they're gay and that's why they identify as trans. And those things are true, but also like, unfortunately sometimes it's just wanting attention and wanting to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think the sense that the bigger, victim you are, the more people will listen to you. Because having had these very intense friendships with these other trans identified women, some of them have been through horrible trauma, but some of them had easy lives. I mean, I have not had trauma in my life. That's not what drove me to identify as trans. And I think sometimes we rush to go, oh, it's because of all these mental health conditions. And I'm like, I think sometimes it's just one thing, attention.
1: hmm hmm or just like i mean i so that so resonates with m- with me too like i remember when which was probably i would say like 2014 2015 in this theater company i was in when people were saying like oh because while i was in that theater company we did a shift from like lgbt Q I A like A no there was like two P's in there at one point I don't know we switched that acronym up and it was like really important that you weren't using the old acronym because now that's like really offensive and someone suggested in the group like why are we dealing with all of these letters we should all just be calling each other queer and I remember thinking but I'm not sure I verbalized this that I was like if you think that we should all just be called queer, you've never been called queer. Like I knew that I had never been called queer as a slur. And so I was like, I probably feel like, if I think that being called queer is fun and quirky and cool and makes me feel good, that's probably just because I've never been called it as a slur. And that was like the whole group, the whole group was like, yeah, let's all be queer.
5: I, th- I know it's definitely something I fell into where it's like role-playing oppression and mm-hmm. how much danger you're in. And, you know, I've been called a slur, but it's, it's
4: things that aren't slurs or, you know.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, the oppression Olympics is something that I think trans activism is very engaged in. And they, not only do they play the biggest victims and accuse, but, but, but they actually victimize women i mean it's it's a it's a misogynistic ideology they don't like women who know and are willing to say that women are adult human females and they literally will argue like in my town they literally argue in the mainstream media that woman adult human female is is hate speech and it's it's about hating trans women you know so it's about hating men and which uh, forever feminists have been accused of hating men and and what is that word that they use misandry i think women knowing that we're female and that that's socially significant under patriarchy is probably for whatever reason it's like just the most threatening thing in the world to these to these men for us to mm-hmm. to think that you know um i just want to point out that joey wrote the performing arts and writing groups are all about rewriting history. And by doing that, recreating the narrative to center ambiguity and the male gaze and lens. Exactly. Like this whole thing is just a justification for reinforcing patriarchy and misogyny in an, in in an extreme way that's sterilizing people. It's, it's just so like, obviously so homophobic, I don't know, Elizabeth, you've come a long way since 2019, right? Like, let's just, let's just skip, skip to 2019. um, And what happened so that you decided that you weren't trans anymore?
5: Yeah. So I found, well, I guess, I guess backing up a little bit in 2018, it was my senior year and I just, I started looking at various turfy Facebook groups. Um, I, I was still subscribed to pink news on Facebook and I remember seeing some turfs. I won't, I won't say her last name cause I don't know if she, she'll think this is doxing her or something, but, um, one named Donna, who was always commenting in the pink news comments okay, saying, just making scathing remarks about how ridiculous it was. And just from there, I would start to friend people and join Facebook groups and whatnot. And by 2019, it has gotten to the point that I was looking at gender critical reddit. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I miss a lot. Sorry, girl. <laughs> but I remember one of the first posts I found there was a picture of Posey Parker and it had her adult human female billboard, which right had- on summer before. And something just clicked with that that so I guess backing up again, um, I have obsessive-compulsive disorder so i will fixate on things and just keep turning them over in my mind and that's how i spent seven years basically examining like every feeling or you know when i finally cut my hair short like i was terrified to do that because i thought if i liked it too much that meant i was a man mm. or, like i don't know wearing men's deodorant because i think it works better and it's cheaper like that's mm-hmm. the tax in action that doesn't mean i'm non-binary mm-hmm. so, I just spent all this time examining every feeling that I had. You know, am I a man? Am I non-binary? Am I actually a woman after all? And then I saw her billboard, and it just kind of fell into place that it doesn't really matter, like what, how you feel about the body that you're in. Mm. It's still the body that you're in, and I am a woman. And I'm I may be offbeat in some ways, but that doesn't make me anything other than what my sex is. Mm. And it it was like, I don't know. I want to say within a matter of days, no more than two weeks, like it,
4: it had resolved itself. Wow. Wow. So that is amazing. After seven years of, of pretty much staunchly believing in it. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, would you say, how would you say like your understanding of your OCD or your relationship or like how you manage your OCD has changed since that change happened?
5: I think I'm better able to recognize now that it is irrational because, I mean, I wasted – I mean, it wasn't a total waste because I, I, I do think I learned a lot from the experience. But I just spent so many years of my life stuck in that delusion. And so now if I'm getting stuck in a similar way, I'll just be like, it's just a thought. Go and, Go and do something and don't
4: fixate on it. Just go for a walk or something interesting that sounds good here i want to um put up joey bright's uh question for you she wants to know elizabeth if you were exposed to feminism earlier or during your years um in phase the seven-year phase
5: yeah so i was a big reader as a kid and i remember something that i would read about was early women's rights I i mean it was just like picture books and stuff but I would say I knew what the suffragettes were when I was maybe eight or so, and just reading about them and about other women who fought so hard to get to where they wanted to be in their careers and whatnot, I was exposed to that. And I think that was something that was always in the back of my mind, that... Here are these women who are in sex atypical roles and they, you know, maybe felt that they should have been born a man. Historical writings and whatnot that we have about, you know, if only I'd been my father's son and not his daughter. And then I would have all these opportunities. And it was just always in the back of my mind that, okay, they made it as women. So maybe I, I felt like there was something off about trans and needing to be non-binary. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's
4: so interesting. But when did that, da- that doubt didn't happen though, until you saw the adult human female? No, it, it was always in the background. It was always in the background. Yeah. You always it's, had it's a quote, doubt. It's yeah,
5: stories. I always had major doubts The unfortunate part, they will tell you that's internalized transphobia. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's thinking for yourself mm-hmm. and having even like a tiny amount of historical knowledge. Who's they, the
4: Elizabeth? Who's they? Is it your former friends or was it like a trans advocacy organization? Who- my, my friends and just the
5: LGBTQIA, P plus 2 XYZ, whatever. Mm-hmm. The, the whole culture.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it is. It's a culture. Yeah. It's a social virus. It's everywhere. It's in the churches. It's in the public schools. Mm-hmm. It's. Everywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's in the so-called radical leftist community. I mean, it's, I don't know, like I, I, there's a rare place in our society besides within radical feminism and lesbian feminism that there are gender critical ideas and spaces and, you know, thoughts being exchanged. And Mm -hmm. so it's really great to have you here and that you are brave and able to to speak about this so anyway so you it was just in the culture it was at your school your college was it in your high school as well then yeah you were identifying trans as trans in high school yeah. tell us about that yeah um i was homeschooled actually mm. so i was on the
5: internet a lot honestly probably more than i should have been I don't know. I don't really fault my parents for that, though, because they tried to put restrictions on how much time my brother and I could be
1: online and we'd go around that. What what did your parents think? Like, were they accepting when you identified that way? So I have a bit of an
5: atypical experience as a desister. So I was not like out as trans. I told one person during that whole time. I I kept it to myself because I don't know, I guess I, I like to be sure about things before I make great big, big decisions. And so I I joke now that I procrastinated until I I procrastinated my dysphoria until it resolved. Mm. But oh where was I going with this? I just lost my train
1: of thought. <laughs> That's It Happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Where you asking, I was asking you about your parents. How you? you oh,
5: oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it was. They didn't actually learn about this until after the fact. But
4: I'm. Oh wow! For, for seven years, you hid it from them. Yeah. No,
1: I had a name picked out, but I I never got the courage. But were you, like, was this something where, like, on Tumblr, people would, like, call you your preferred name and, like, online you had your people who did know or was this only, like, you were participating in this or, yeah, I'm curious. I,
5: I had one friend who knew, but I was having doubts. Yeah.
1: So well, I, 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 I do have, have the... Or an okay. online friend or both?
5: Online friend.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've actually never met
4: her. And sometimes So like, you were a closeted trans. Yeah. Yeah. That's. So oh my God. See, I think that that's is like really what is so
1: fascinating about this ideology, right? Because you're so into it, but it's like, where is it happening? You know, like it's happening <laughs> yeah. in our minds and it's happening online. Like I, I feel like I, I mean, I had more in person because I was in this theater company in person, but so much of it was all, it was all just stuff going on in my head that I was like mm-hmm. interpreting these messages from Tumblr and a little bit from people in person. And then, you know, yeah. all like, no, well, I'm, it's about mind control. Yeah, this is, not, is about
5: mind control.
4: Yeah, I
1: agree. No, you I'm,
5: know? I'm actually, I'm relieved that I never did come out because just listening to people's stories and hearing them talk about the absolute shit that they put their parents through especially i'm really glad that i don't have to go back and be like yeah actually i was wrong about that i mean i'm not saying yeah. i will admit i was wrong but just like the idea of having to go back and be like actually that was a stupid idea and i was a child who didn't know any better i'm, I'm just thinking back right. on all the really. friends who like imploded family relationships, you know, like their grandparents wouldn't go with the chosen name and they imploded that relationship and their grandparents died. And the relationship was right in pieces. And I'm just thinking, I'm so glad I never did anything like that.
1: Yeah. There's so many people I think that blow up their whole family dynamic over this issue. I'm lucky. I didn't blow up my whole family's dynamic, but I did have to go back to them and be like, I want to be called Emily again. (laughs) <laughs> don't call me that weird name anymore please <laughs> you know i mean listen it was awkward when i told them i wanted to be called by a different name and it was awkward when i told them i didn't want to be called by a different yeah. name anymore you know like it was all but now both of my parents are big turfs
5: yeah my parents don't believe in this either
0: Aww, <laughs> actually
4: yeah. tell them um i i've got a question over here um uh, <laughs> From Joey again, she'd like to know if you were exposed to pornography when you were online as a child. Yeah, I was. And do you think that impacted you, your identification as trans? Yes
5: and no. I don't think it's what drove me to being trans, but it was definitely something that, okay, this is embarrassing. I would watch it and try to figure out like who in a
1: scene I wanted to be, because I thought that would determine my gender. I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's like pretty common amongst the, like that. I mean, I really believe that like the explosion of, you know, transbians or whatever, it's all these dudes who are watching lesbian pornography from a very young age. I mean, they're conditioning themselves. If you're watching pornography and you are masturbating, you are conditioning your brain to be aroused by the material that you're masturbating to. And that's what they do. That, and, and it totally it just conditions your brain to be like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be that, which is not even very different than our entire cultural experience of like going to a movie and being like, I want to be a superhero. I want to be, you know, Elle Woods, like I want to be the star of the story.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's a very narcissistic philosophy, Um, and I think it just makes a lot of sense that it sprung up uh, in America, yeah. right? Didn't didn't this shit get invented over here? Or no, was it the French, the white French postmodern philosophers? I don't know who. I mean, it's definitely like white, you know, medical
1: dudes who created transgenderism as in like i can change your body to match your mind or whatever that was definitely like white men who were just experimenting on other white men basically from all from all the case studies that i'm familiar with it was all white male doctors operating on white male transsexuals yeah i feel like or definitely gay men really they were all good the early ones were all gay men
5: yeah, I, f- I feel like definitely the marketing of trans couldn't really have happened anywhere other than the U.S. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're so right. Just this idea that if you're dissatisfied with who you are, just go out and buy another
4: you. So let's yeah. getting back to um, what feminism means to you, and when you were exposed to feminism, and maybe different types of feminism, and can you talk about that and how feminism and feminist friendships maybe have influenced you in your life beyond trans now? life beyond trans. Hmm.
5: I would say that one thing that's, and, and this is something that I think has interested me since I was a child, but just reading about women in the past and the lives that they lived. And mm-hmm. especially um, since college, that's something I've done a lot. And you just, there's just so much wisdom to be gained from reading about, you know, what the suffragettes went through. Like I've been reading, um, Emily biography, autobiography and whatnot, or Mary Wollstonecraft. And just realizing that you're not the first person who's had these feelings and you won't be the last. The trans movement is just, it's, it's so
1: solipsistic. And it's like, at some point, Wait, I don't know what that word means. Can you define that? I've never heard well, that word. I feel like the internet
5: will do a better job. It
1: refers to itself,
5: right? They're so focused on their own wants and needs that they don't think about other people at all. all.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, yeah.
5: And, like, I, I feel like that kind of overlaps with narcissism, but some of it is just, like, like a complete lack of knowledge about other people. And I feel like at some point it's, like, our responsibility to pull our heads out of our asses and get curious about other people and about the world. And it's like, okay, well here, here are all these historical writings about, you know, women who felt that they didn't fit in and women who were the first to do this and women who speak about their father saying you should have been born a boy. And I regret never having a son and you can just learn so much from them. I feel like this whole LGBTQ XYZ culture is not interested in any history that happened before, like, 2010.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So, and then that, that leads me to feminist friendships. Just, I've always vibed with, I, w- I would say Gen X or above. Like, most of my friends are Gen Xers or boomers. I, I was that weird kid. I was that weird student in college who liked going to office hours and hearing about, like, I don't know, what, my, what projects my professors had going on. <laughs> But it just really helps to listen to these women talk about
4: their lives and their struggles. And you just- You've got a very woman-centered feminism. Yeah. It sounds like you're researching women's lives, learning women's history, listening to women. And that's a very woman-centered feminism. Just just finding the
5: strength and examples from women from your own life. Mm-hmm. And
4: I, do you feel you had some strong female role models in your life growing up
5: yeah i would say my mom was a big one she's just always done her own thing and she's not really girly i wouldn't say she's really masculine either but just that that was another thing that i kept coming back to that my mom you know she's happy to get dressed up fancy for a nice occasion but she'll, she's she loves math and science. She has a shelf of textbooks about, like, this big <laughs> of physics books. She's always out there digging in the garden. And just, mm-hmm. like, she, she's just kind of, she's interested in everything. And that doesn't make her non-binary. That just makes right. her mom. Really and, oh, yeah. and so I I could never, you know, I, I couldn't pigeonhole her as as a gender
4: identity she just was and it was so well, you know now you know that gender identity is it, nobody has a gender identity yeah. it's Just some, you know made up bullshit to yeah. keep well, when you're inside. stuck in the mind frame you think everyone has a gender identity right.
5: and so you waste time trying to think like OK, what's her gender identity?
4: What a waste of time. Gender it's such a waste of time. We're so glad you're here with us, Elizabeth. It was such a pleasure to, to meet you at Sisters for Sisters here in Madison and to just see how you present and how thoughtful you are. And um, so thanks for coming on to WLRN's channel today. That. I actually wanted to swing back to your relationship with your
1: parents. I'm curious, like, how you said after the fact you told them, and like, how has your like, I also like, I know what it's like to be like a young person who's like doing more on the internet than your parents know about and like hiding that or whatever. And like, do you have a more like forthright relationship? Like, have you told them about like, Hey, maybe you should have restricted my internet a little a little more. Like I've never had that conversation with my parents.
5: Yeah, I, I think I think we're closer. Um I haven't had that conversation with them just because I, I don't know, I feel like there's no point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what happened happened. And I think also it's just so different from when they were growing up. You know, we're growing up with the internet and I think people don't always realize that basically like sending your kids down a dark alley to play with random people. Yeah but it, it doesn't feel like that cuz it feels like they're just in their bedrooms not leaving the house so they they were doing the best they could so i wouldn't hold that against them at all
1: yeah I, I feel pretty similarly i mean i think like i think parents are just like naive you know about what you how quickly how fast on the internet you can get really bad stuff.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I just, I do, I feel like it's a social virus that's spread through the internet and um, the role of technology and just where we're headed with AI and all of this stuff and how it's related to the disembodiment that transgenderism promotes. You're not your body, you are your identity in your mind and that that detachment of the body from the self is a preparation for what's to come in the future with uh, all these technologies. And it's just so dystopian, you know, Mm -hmm. of course people feel dysphoric, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know, like, I think we're animals, we're creatures on the planet and we feel things and climate change has really, it's irritating us. It's bothering us as it is a lot of the animals and plants and things that you see stressed out there do, to climate change. And there's the social climate too. And this transgender thing, the ideology that's spread far and wide in our, in our society is, I think it's really irritating us. I think it's really agitating us and getting us to lose our sense of humor, to, to lose what it means to be human. You know, like, um, it's very dehumanizing, Mm -hmm to separate the mind from the body. No, I don't want to separate the mind from the body. I am my body. We are our bodies, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Yeah. hell yeah, I agree with that. It's definitely,
1: yeah. um... I don't know. It makes me think about like this episode of The X Files, where like somebody, this like tech dude, uploads his brain into his computer. And then at the end of the episode, it's like, his consciousness is living on the internet. And he lives, and it's like his body is dead, but his mind is on the internet. And I was just like, I don't buy that, you know? Like, and I think that idea people have, like, we, it's one thing to watch it in TV and movies and stuff as a sci fi idea, but we're, in this world where like kind of in like the post Star Trek world where the sci-fi informs the real life technology, People are are running with this idea that, yeah, that you could, what, like, download your brain into a different body, basically. Like,
4: I just don't understand horrible. why that is even appealing to anyone. It's like, do you hate your body? Well, yeah, the answer is yes. This is a body-hating society, especially a woman-body-hating, yeah. female-body-hating society. But yeah, our whole society... Well it's like an aging
1: thing. A lot of the times in movies what is happening is like like I was I watched part of a sci fi movie the other day that I can't remember what it was called. It had like Ben Kingsley and like, maybe like Ryan Reynolds, but it was like an old billionaire who was ill. And they were like, Hey, you've got all that money. We can take your brain and put it in this young man's body. And then of course it's like the young man's memories start resurfacing. (laughs) Where did this body come from? And the dude's like, I don't know, dude, where the hell do you think we were getting these bodies? You know, like,
5: yeah. And I feel like, especially with the young women, there's just, there's a fear of growing older and just a, a hatred of older women with more experience and more knowledge. I mean, yeah. I know we talk a lot about the men who show up at our events and scream at us, but there's a lot of young women pushing this.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
4: And- yeah, it's like a, a compounded thing because it's like youth question just just by being youth we question our identity that's a part of the development of the self you know what I mean and then to th- the other thing that's compounding the situation is that this generation is growing up with the internet you know yeah. I don't think that the trans virus social virus could have spread as much as it has if it weren't for social media and the internet
1: yeah I you know yeah, I
5: totally agree with you. I don't think any of this would have ever happened to me if it hadn't been for the internet.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, so I don't know. We need to get onto women's land, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to have found some turfs in real life? It feels like a relief because
5: I felt so alone for so long. I mean, I thought I was the only one who ever had any thoughts like this at all. Um, although I guess that that's not specific to turf so it's more of a, like a de-transitioner disister thing but you know i i also wasn't the only one who had doubts about the movement about the trans movement and it just showed me that i
4: i wasn't crazy i mean awesome.
5: seven seven you, years I, ago i
4: remember on your facebook page when your memories came up cuz you had some really great pictures from sisters for sisters and i remember you writing that it was like one of the best feelings that you'd had all year or something and I it just made me feel so good to see Uh, that uh,
5: yeah the um I think it was the day I gave my talk actually it was like probably one of the best days I had last year yeah nice
4: Mm -hmm. great and so that brings me to um you're coming you're going to be a speaker at WDI USA's event, your mm-hmm. national conference in uh, San Francisco coming up September 15th through 17th, I think that is. And then you're also going to be a speaker at Sovereign Women Speak out in the Pacific Northwest. So do you enjoy public speaking? Yes and no. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it stresses me out a little, but
5: I'm, I'm, in the end, I'm always glad that I did it. So, and some of it is about meeting people, too. like people yeah. That- me and after i speak and we end up talking and we end up becoming good friends so that's always nice
4: yeah yeah i mean you've got fans but then also the feminist (laughs) movement i think i think the feminist movement is about making those female friendships you know and not we can fangirl on each other and lift each other up every woman a cis star you know i think Mm -hmm. each woman has a way of shining in our movement and we should really lift each other up Mm -hmm. but beyond that i think Um, that female friendship that gets made at these conferences, you know, that, that relationship between women is so important for our feminist movement, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's cool. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to those two conferences and be a speaker. And thanks. Thanks for being out. Um, Mm -hmm. I also wanted to talk about, it's interesting how you were closeted trans and I just (laughs) want to talk about the difference between trans and wait, transitioning detransitioning and desisting. Like what, what does it mean to transition? Because I've heard you don't have to have medical treatments in order to be (laughs) trans. So then can't you, if you haven't had medical treatments, can't you be detrans if you if you were trans, even without the medical treatments. So I'm just confused. And I think part of that confusion is by design right that and so like the category Mm -hmm. d transitioning versus d sister like i'm it's dependent on this category of trans that is extremely ambiguous if you don't have to go through medical Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so can you just talk about that for a second yeah because i mean trans can really
5: mean so different things so many different things and they'll tell you that it's all valid which is a word that i hate now (laughs) But, you know, this idea that you can have, you know, maybe only changed your name and your pronouns, and you're just as much of a trans man as someone who's gone all the way with the surgeries, you know, the testosterone, the mastectomy, the hysterectomy, the phalloplasty, they're viewed as equivalent, which doesn't actually make sense because words have meanings and they need to have agreed upon shared meanings. (laughs) And so, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it does confuse a lot of people. And we're all just supposed to accept that it's just everyone's individual journey, which I think is just bullshit. Right.
4: Yeah. And Um, so then, Arcana. I mean, even Arcana Mystery, who (laughs) was asking, "What's a turf?" It's like, is turf an identity too? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we don't need these identities we just are human beings and some of us are female some of us are male like Mm -hmm. why do we have to have all these labels and identities i just i'm so done with it you know Mm -hmm. i mean they'll call us turfs even if we're really not that's that's just well i I mean there is no such thing as a turf yeah because there's no such thing as trans you know it's Mm -hmm. like how can we be trans i mean well, maybe and also we're not trans exclusionary, we're male exclusionary. Right, because <laughs> women who identify as trans are included in our radical feminist analysis and that we see them as female. You know, I mean, it's just so, it's just a big twisted thing. It's like, I don't understand why. I, mean, I think it's designed, like we were saying, like it's by
1: design. Like, I, I think it, because. What the ideology really does is it makes everyone be like, you're stupid and you should feel stupid and wrong and be quiet and listen to someone who has the authority. Listen to that authority figure.
5: I, I definitely feel that there were so many moments in those years where I felt like, there was something I was not understanding, and I was the stupid one. And the thing was, I studied gender studies in college, and mm-hmm. I felt like maybe I shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. But, like, I remember one thing that confused me. What I felt like there was something I was, like, not understanding about trans women and their womanhood. And now I'm mm-hmm. like, well, no shit, because they're <laughs> guys with a fetish, or they're self-hating gay men. Yeah. And so the reason that I'm not connecting with them when they talk about what womanhood means to them, it's because they're not woman. It's not that I'm stupid.
4: Right. Right. But
5: I think we're right. encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Any ideology that's
4: going to call people stupid for listening to their instincts and what they see before their very right. eyes is, mm-hmm. right. is a a horrible ideology to teach anybody. And mm-hmm. especially women who already are so self-doubting anyway. And so mm-hmm. it just, it's all about controlling us and, we won't be controlled. Mm-hmm. You, me, um, uh, Elizabeth, and Emily—we're not going to be controlled. A lot of the women <laughs> who are tuning into this program right now are not controlled. We are free, liberated women, and we think for ourselves and we have opinions. And we're not hateful. We are woman-centered, and we love women. And that's a fine thing to do in a patriarchy. You know, it's a—it's a medicine for the hatred of women is to love women. So I'm going to, with that, I'm going to ask if you have any final things you'd like to say, Elizabeth, and just thank you for your time and for being on our show. And, and so thank you so much, Elizabeth, any final thing that you'd like to share with our listeners? I guess what I want to share, just something I've been thinking about
5: lately. The, I mean, this past, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, but I just wake up every day really grateful that I didn't transition because I didn't want to be a mother until I hit 25. Mm. And now that's all I want. And I'm just like, I'm just looking around at the friends that I have and the friends that I had. We We don't talk anymore, but I will check up on them, I don't know, a couple times a year. And some of them have, they've been on hormones long enough to sterilize themselves or they've cut their breasts off. And I just... It's going to be really difficult for them when they wake up and they realize that, I mean, not everyone wants kids, but some people are sure they don't. And then it changes. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that they can get back. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I I just, I wake up every day like, how the hell did I get through those seven years? And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I actually learned a lot from this experience. How did I get to be so lucky? Because a lot of people aren't going to make it through this. Right. On stage. Right.
4: So that's why it's so important that you speak out and you feel that empathy and um, that solidarity with other women who have mm-hmm. fallen prey to this ideology. And so we thank you for your presence, for your work. Thanks. You're, you're, you know, I'm excited to see how you infuse our movement in the future with um, <laughs> what you're doing and your speaking engagements and everything. So yeah, thanks man. Elizabeth
6: from across the femisphere to women worldwide worldwide to women worldwide radical
3: feminist media to, to break, the barrier. Barrier. break the sound barrier
6: break the sound barrier break the
4: sound
3: barrier break the sound barrier radical feminist media to break the sound barrier this is your
6: grassroots 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 community radio station this is your radio station Women's celebration radio news The question of how we women, including and especially feminists, respond to the so-called desisted women among us remains a sensitive one. For anyone who doesn't know, desisted women are those who once pretended to be men, who identified as transgender. To desist from transgenderism means to acknowledge your biological sex again and, in most cases, to stop taking synthetic hormones, stop pursuing surgery meant to remove or create secondary sex characteristics, and stop participating in other acts of mimicking the opposite sex. Plenty of radical feminists, especially lesbian feminists, feel strongly that it's desisted women who need to earn back the rest of womankind's trust, forgiveness, and acceptance. That we, who have never denied our femaleness, don't owe desisted women anything, least of all an influential place in feminism. There is an attitude that desisted women are basically sex traitors, and as such we should be wary of them unless and until they prove they can be trusted. There's legitimate concern that desisted women, especially newly desisted women, are still full of the misogyny that fueled their transgenderism, as well as misogyny they picked up during their time in the trans cult. Other feminists, and certainly non-feminist women, are ready and willing to treat desisted women with compassion, and immediately take them back into the fold of womanhood as if their time in the trans cult never happened. These women seem to think that desisted women are victims of the cult first and foremost, often having been sucked into it as underage girls, in some cases pressured by friends, family, and community. They see desisted women as victims of patriarchy and misogyny who attempted to take the only way out they could see not out of their own internalized sexism and desire for male privilege, but out of pain and trauma that wasn't being adequately addressed by anyone. I think there's validity to each camp's view of desisted women. On the one hand, you don't join the trans cult without a significant amount of misogyny, sexism, and male supremacy in your consciousness. And those things don't just disappear overnight. There's far more work to be done on yourself as a woman beyond recognizing the lie of gender identity. And it takes a conscious, deliberate effort on the desisted woman's part to do that work. It is never automatic for any of us. So it's fair for feminist women to question where a desisted woman's consciousness is now. It's fair for us to wonder about any desisted woman, how much she's actually grown politically since leaving the trans cult. It's fair of us to protect ourselves, our spaces, and our activism from other women, including desisted women, who are toxic or harmful due to their sexism, misogyny, and male worship. On the other hand, the things many women and girls experience at the hands of men are horrific. We all respond to trauma and oppression differently, and none of us want to live with the collective male boot on our necks. Misogyny is embedded into every aspect of society and culture, and it does take time to dismantle it within yourself. Not only time, but a certain moment of awakening. Without that moment, a woman or girl goes about her life like a fish who doesn't recognize the water it lives in for what it is. If everyone you know is sexist, misogynistic, and male-worshipping, to say nothing of pro-gender identity then it will, of course, be incredibly difficult for you to first realize the situation all women are in, and then attempt to dig yourself out of the consciousness you've spent your whole life cultivating. It makes sense that some women, including and especially lesbians and bisexual women, and plenty of teen girls would be swept up in the trans mania. Patriarchy isn't going anywhere. It's not getting better. Nobody cares about women, and practically everyone worships men. The idea that you could literally become one of those men the world worships, or permanently escape the fear and injustice and invulnerability and general crap that goes along with womanhood is a powerfully tempting one. For those of us feminists who have never pretended to be men, I think a balanced approach toward sisters make sense. We should pay close attention to how desisted women think, act, and talk about women versus men, feminism, etc. We shouldn't ignore their sexism and misogyny when it pops up any more than we should ignore those things from other women or ourselves. We should hold desisted women accountable for the harm they did to other women and girls and to feminism while they were trans-identified. All that said, we should also see the desisted woman's experience in the greater context of patriarchy, and remember that we all started out sexist and misogynistic before raising our consciousness. If a desisted woman comes to feminism with a genuine desire to leave behind her male supremacy the same way she's left trans identity behind, we should give her a chance to do the work. If she is a good person, we should be willing to extend our friendship to her. Whatever your personal feelings toward desisted women, the fact remains that they are women. We should listen to their stories the same way we listen to other women's. We should try to unite with them if we can, and if we can't, then we should at least recognize their humanity the way men have always refused to do.
4: Thanks for listening to WLRN's 88th edition podcast on life beyond trans. WLRN would like to thank our guest this month for sharing her views and experiences as a de-sister woman and formerly trans identified individual. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for speaking with us. Until next time, this is Thistle signing off on another WLRN podcast.
1: If you like what you are hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the Donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. And if you are interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post on our Facebook and other social media channels, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. In addition, if you're going to be at Michigan Family Reunion this coming weekend, please look for me, Thistle, and Jenna at the Volvo Lounge. We would love to chat with you. Thanks for listening. This is Emily signing off for now. And I'm Jenna.
4: Thanks for tuning in.
1: Next
5: month, we'll focus our program on Michigan Women's Music Festivals 2023. If you're listening to this podcast on the day it drops, my wife and I are most likely somewhere in Ohio on our way to the Pines. Hope to see you there, sisters, my sisters. Our Handcrafted Podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, September 7th. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interviews are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Stay
4: strong in the struggle, and as always, thanks for listening.
3: This is Aurora here, signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly Handcrafted Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spinster, over It, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thank you so very
2: much for listening. And this is Mary. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you, so please share, like, and comment widely.